From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Diz Unplugged email edition for October 16th, 2008. I'm John Magi. I'll be your host this week. Um, For today's show, we're joined by Will Perry, Teresa Eccles, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, and Kevin Close. And we're going to be reading some of your emails that you sent to us, as well as playing some voicemails that were called in. Just want to remind folks, if you want to get an email read on the show, you can send that to podcast at www.info.com. You can call in a voicemail to our toll-free number, one 877 310-9662 or if you want to uh, send us an mp3 recording of a voicemail those are our um, our voicemails of choice these days we like those um, those can be sent to podcast at wdwinfo.com and Will has a really great tutorial up on our site that teaches you how to record those and send those out to us let's get started we have our first voicemail comes from Bob and Bob has a question about the candle above the firehouse in the Magic Kingdom. Hi, Pete, Julie, Corey, Kevin, John, Will, Walter, Bob and Spirit. This is uh, Bob McGovern, Ram Jr. 0116 at yahoo.com. Ram Jr. 0116 on the boards. Uh, quick question. Love the show. Been quite a long time listener now. Never miss an episode if I can help it. We just got back from a trip to the world. Uh, My wife and I went down from the 7th to the 14th of September. We were noticing there's no uh, candle in the window above the firehouse anymore. Maybe you've answered this question before. I always remember seeing the candle there in memory of Walt. And we noticed there was no candle in the window above the firehouse. Didn't know if it was moved. Uh, we weren't able to find it while we were there in the Magic Kingdom. So um, any information you could provide would uh, be interesting and helpful. Thanks so much for all the hard work you guys do. Um, it's a great service. Love listening to you. Have a great week. Bye. Apparently Bob was calling from his convertible with the top down. <laughs> he actually kind of sounded a little bit like our Bob. Did kind of really? had those little ah moments. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Um, we discussed this a little bit before we played your, your voicemail on the show. The tradition of having a light lit in the firehouse in the Magic Kingdom is really comes from Disneyland. Um, because Walt actually visited that park and spent time in that park, and he had an apartment above the firehouse. Sort of the tradition was when he was in the park, the cast members knew it because the lights would be on. And once he passed, they continued that tradition by putting a light in the window to always represent uh, Walt's presence in the Magic Kingdom in Disneyland. Uh, I'm not familiar with the tradition of doing that here in World, again, because Walt never really spent time in Disney World when it was finished. Anybody else know anything about this? I don't. They just didn't pay the bill. Is that what it was? It's not a candle, per se. It's a lamp. And I think it's supposed to look like... um, like a hurricane lamp, like one of those lamps that you put uh, to sort, sort of, of a Victorian style. When I walk in Walt's footsteps right. tour, they talked about it. In yeah. Disneyland, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't do that here. Uh, I hope that clarifies it, Bob. Yeah, you pro- it's not that they misplaced it or they moved it. It's just not here in our Magic Kingdom in Orlando. Who has an email they'd like to read? I do. You go, Julie. Mine is from Kim Bandini. I don't know where she's from. She did not choose to tell us. Hello, pod people. In regarding to finding Daisy, I can offer some helpful information on how to find her in the parks. During our August visit, my nine-year-old daughter was obsessed with finding Daisy. We looked and looked and finally had to ask a cast member. The cast member told us that Daisy normally appears in the Magic Kingdom for about an hour as the park opens. She's either at the top of Main Street, over to the side, down from the firehouse, or right outside Town Hall, or sometimes inside Town Hall at the very back. The cast member explained to my daughter that Daisy is quite a diva and needs the rest of the day to shop and have spa treatments. (laughs) 
After I explained what a diva was, my daughter was a bit put out. She insists that Daisy is very sweet and just enjoys shopping and wants to look pretty. We happily found Daisy the next morning and obtained our pictures and autograph. I thought that was a really cute email. And for those Daisy fans out there who have a hard time finding her, it's a good tip. Daisy's in some of the parades, too. But I think they're wanting to actually meet her. Go up and meet her. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Daisy's tough. She's a very tough one to find, that's for sure. Great. Thank you, Julie. Who else has one they want to read? I do. Uh, I wasn't prepared, but I do. This one comes from Danielle Kraus, and Danielle's in Michigan. She said, Kevin, this one's for you. I was wondering if you and John have ever eaten at the Kobe Japanese Steakhouse. This is our favorite off-site restaurant. We go there at least twice on every trip. And it's partially the reason why we rent a car to get off property. Anyway, I was just curious to see if you had been there and if you liked it. Please don't make fun of me if you hated it. I see people on the boards asking for good food off-property and good restaurants, and this is our very favorite. I know Kobe has several locations in the Orlando area. The only one we've been to is the one in Kissimmee on Parkway Boulevard, just off Highway 192 near Celebration. I can't speak for the rest of the locations, but this one always has consistently good food, and we walk out of there with full, satisfied stomachs. I have to add this disclaimer. I have only had items off the hibachi grill menu, as I'm not a sushi eater. So I can't say if the sushi is good or not. Just a suggestion for those of you who are looking for a good off-site restaurant, and if you've never been, you should give it a try. Like all you listeners, I absolutely love listening. Like all of your listeners, I absolutely love listening to you guys every week. I find myself busting out laughing at my desk at work when I'm listening to the show. You never fail to entertain me and keep up the great work. We might fail this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Danielle, I would never make fun of you. As I always tell people, these are opinions. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. And yes, we've eaten in Kobe. Uh, As a matter of fact, we had uh, my sister-in-law's birthday party there one year we are not as big a fan of kobe as you are i'm very proud of you usually say your brother's wife (laughs) (laughs) he actually claimed her (laughs) i just figured that was too many words (laughs) i'm sorry i messed you up tonight I'm trying to decide where to go with that, and I think I'm just going to lay there by the side of the road, okay? Not a problem. Uh, We find that we prefer Benihana at the Disney Hilton. Offers the same type of uh, options, food options. We just find it preferable. And there are people, I'm going to be honest with you, Kobe has its followers. People love it, and there are, it's usually crowded, and it's usually very loud. There was a great deal of cleaver banging and screaming the night we were there. <laughs> they they tend to set things on fire and scream and bang their cleavers on the table. Remember the gong? The, every once in a while they bang the gong up front and you like jump out of your seat. What was that about? I don't remember. <laughs> I sat with my. I was just. <laughs> it was sort of hunker down and let's get out of here. <laughs> if you don't make any noise or anything, they won't notice us. Right. Uh, we are fans of Benihana. Again, serving the same type of food. The We prefer the atmosphere. And as far as fresh sushi at Disney, I find Benihana's sushi offerings to be among the freshest. As a matter of fact, when John and I are craving sushi, that's where we head. That and the sushi bar now at the Poly, which we haven't been to in a week or two. We need to go. We need to go back. You, I know, Julie, you said you like Kobe. Have you ever been to that one by Disney? No, but, I mean, it's not. It's okay, It's decent food. I mean, it's not... I guess my favorite hibachi place. We have a place closer to home called Tokyo that we go to. Um, we took Taylor to the one off of Kirkman. And that's the one we had normally gone to with friends for birthdays and things like that. And it, it was fun and it's entertaining and she really enjoyed it. But we had these people at our table who were drinking heavily and were cursing and talking inappropriately, you know, in front of children. It wasn't just us. There was another family to the side of us as well. So I would think stay with the Disney property. Yeah, you really to have to property. be comfortable with sitting with other people, yeah. unless you have a big group of people. Or you can take the whole table. I normally order sushi at the at the grill anyway. I start off with sushi, and then I go into all the scallops. Now, I'm going to give a little tip. We, uh, I understand exactly what you're saying. We have had enough hibachi experience that 
the show is not really of interest yeah. to us any longer. Butterfly. Right. <laughs> and the vol- the smoking volcano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're, you know, when we take 7-year-olds with us, it's a great idea. However, if we go to Benihana, Benihana has a sushi bar. Now, John and I usually go for the sushi. My dad and my mom tend to like the food from the hibachi table, but don't want the whole experience and the weight of eating at the hibachi table. Now, while there are certain hours of operation where they're willing to do this, you can get the hibachi table food served at the tables in the sushi bar. So in our minds, it's the best of both worlds. There's, you know, that the flying shrimp and the steaming volcano, and but you still get the food that you're looking for. So, and again, I would never make fun of anybody. If it's your favorite restaurant, by all means. I'm curious, though. Are all Kobe's that loud and do that? Because they did this thing where at the end they yes. clean the grill well, by setting it on, on fire. Another one on Kirkman is like that. Yeah, I there's think that's one part of their shtick. Right. There's one on Kirkman across from Universal. There's one on Palm Parkway just around the corner from Hotel Plaza Boulevard. And then there's the one that... Uh, Danielle was talking about a crust from Celebration. Those are the ones closest to the resort areas. If you're willing to gen- if you're willing to venture off towards that area, we suggest going to uh, into Celebration. Try the Celebration Town Tavern for food. I always and- find myself counting the portions. You know, if everybody orders chicken at the table <laughs> and he cooks all the all the chicken breasts and he's dividing it up, I'm like, okay. How Kevin's come he got six? I got five. <laughs> Kevin's mom does that, and she doesn't eat a lot, so it's actually pretty funny. But she does that. Those aren't even amounts. They're getting more than I am. Yeah. The other thing she does is she's very concerned over the fact that he's touching raw chicken with his utensils and then touching other people's food. She's of the belief that if you're going to touch chicken with a utensil, it should only be for the chicken. You should not cross-contaminate mm-hmm. food. So. I feel, always feel sorry for the, the, su- the hibachi chef because she's not only counting chicken chunks, she's ready to reach over the table and tell him what he's doing wrong. And, you know, you, you leave the restaurant smelling like the hibachi table. Mm. I, I also... Uh, you know, it's like you, you, shower, you probably showered and got dressed to go eat anyway, and then you get home when you need to shower again. I'm also not a fan of... I find at Benihana... And again, I, I don't work for Benihana or get anything out of this. You tend to get your food all at once or at least closer together. Yeah. We've eaten at um, in Japan, in Epcot, and you get each little individual item. I don't want to eat my little individual items. I know. I try to wait. I'm like, wait, but I want this he with it that. too. I do too. I ask for an extra plate and cover what I get so that it says semi-hot. I've also had them ask them to put mine back on the hibachi table and warm it back up because I like the flavor of everything mm-hmm. together. So uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the hibachi table experience. While I love the food, I prefer the opportunity to order it where it's all brought to my table at one time and I don't have to sit through the entire I would like that. presentation. So they are thing. very popular, though. I mean, any, anytime you walk into these things, those tables are packed. <laughs> and that's the other thing. When you do this, there's never a wait. And it's a first-come, first-serve. So there's no reservations at the, the sushi, sushi bar. bar. Yeah. Benihana, right? So it's not like you have to wait for a table, or you don't have to wait for them to fill up a table, right. yeah. which always bothers me. You go there at 3 o'clock in the, in the afternoon, and you're sitting out in the lobby waiting for two more people to show up. Well, there's <laughs> well, a... I'm not going to like and not going to talk to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We don't like them because we had to wait for them right off the bat. (laughs) Don't touch my elbows. (laughs) So, Danielle, there's another recommendation for you. And for all the rest of you listening, there's two recommendations of hibachi table restaurants. So, thanks, Danielle. Thank you, Kevin. Who else has an email they want to read? I have one. This comes from Tracy Cook from Michigan. She says, uh, I download podcasts at work and transfer them to my iPod. The problem I have is come summer months and holidays when I'm not at work, She's a teacher. Um, Is there a faster way I can download the podcast without going through iTunes? Uh, I have dial-up internet at home, which takes four hours to download a show. Holy crap. Yeah, Yeah, I feel your pain. (laughs) We're not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Go find something else to listen to. None of us are this interesting, really. Um, I emailed Tracy, but really the only other thing I could think of was downloading... Uh, through the direct link off our podcast main page, that's going to pull the show right from our server, as as opposed to using iTunes as like a middleman because um, it downloads through iTunes and then wherever you you have it 
saving there. So I would just go to the podcast main page and right-click that link and save as. That's going to pull it right from our server, and it, it may or may not be faster. But at least Does you your know. library have Wi-Fi? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. You can go to maybe a Starbucks or yeah, your local you library or find somebody that has Wi-Fi. Yeah. You that, just don't hear She's got to have anymore. a friend that has um, non-dial-up internet. <laughs> really? Even <laughs> when you don't like that much. <laughs> you know? Go pretend and like them and use their Wi-Fi. We don't even have to talk. Just let me use your computer. <laughs> we tend to think... It's kind of like the most recent episode of Desperate Housewives, Mrs. Mrs. McCleskey. Mrs. McCleskey. Why are you bringing me flowers? Because you have a computer. <laughs> I forget people still uh, still on dial up. It's kind of hard to think that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, parents still are. Using it's that. horrible. Must live out in the sticks. They do. Yeah. But try that out. Hopefully, it helps. May or not, may or may not. You could drive around the neighborhood and find somebody who has free Wi-Fi. Have their <laughs> Wi-Fi open. <laughs> Park in their driveway. I just have to download the show. <laughs> if you do have somebody who has Wi-Fi, have them download it and put it on a CD for you. Buy somebody a little stack of CDs. Yeah, that that's another option. So. Or move. <laughs> Somewhere else. All right, let's listen to our second voicemail. This comes from Mary Bird, and she has a question about 3D glasses. Hey, this Unplug team. Mary Bird from Michigan, and I'm calling from the parks. I'm on the TTA, and I have a question or uh, a research assignment for you. Can you find out what how they clean the uh, 3D glasses that they use throughout all the parks? They uh, have a lot of shows that have those 3D glasses, and I was just wondering what they do to clean them. Thank you. This is Mary Bird calling from the parks. Love the podcast, and see you on the cruise. I think it's really funny that Mary Bird called us from the ticket, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. Yeah. We asked people to start calling us from the parks, and, and they have. Yeah. Uh, I do have the answer to a question. They uh, Those 3D glasses, they only use them once per day, and you throw them in those bins, and a cast member at the end of the day takes them and divides them into groups of 75, and they send those to Epcot, um, where they're... Um, cleaned with soap and water, no, no big-time chemicals or anything, and 185 degrees. So they um, basically can kill anything. And then they're air-blasted clean, and then they send them back. Someone so gave you a line of bowl. No, do you really think they go through all that? I'm sure they do. I think Somebody's so. Can you imagine? What if somebody had pink eye? They better clean these things. I think some cast member wipes it off on his shirt and puts it back in that tray that they all sit in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're just lining them back up. You would like to think that that's what they do. <laughs> they clean them. I mean, I guess there's some liability with this. If they sort through trash, I would hope yeah. they clean the glasses. There's got to be a liability with it, too. If someone really did get something or caught something from someone else, I guess they do have to go Yeah, it's similar it. to dry cleaning. It just seems weird, though, that they're saying they send them to Epcot. Maybe that's their central location for Honey, I Shrunk the uh, Audience. For those glasses, too. Yeah. So, it's a good question. I've always wondered when I look in those bins, I'm like, wow, who has the job of lining these things back up? How did you find that out? He asked one of his secret agent. He knows people. people. (laughs) He has people people. like Kevin. (laughs) He has Disney peeps. I have people people. who are in charge of 3D glasses. So It's a good thing to know, though, you... Do you think Universal has one of these glass cleaning machines too, or do you think they send theirs to Epcot? <laughs> <laughs> well, like at Disney Quest, you have uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. They don't wash those; you put them right back on the hook. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But those are more of a goggle, right? They fit around your head That's more a- than come in contact with your nose, or do they really sit on your nose? Oh, it's a strap. That, that thing that you head. put them on is a sanitizer. Oh, is that what it is? It was some way to Epcot. But it's touching your hair, right? And everybody yeah, else's it's, hair. it's all around your head. That's why I, I was my. I just remember this because last time I was at Disney Quest, the glasses were nasty. They were smudged. I couldn't even see the, you know. The remember when you used to go to the restroom when you were a kid and they had that towel on the loop? Oh, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's like how sanitary is this? I always used to walk out with a wet butt. Because you would wash your hands and then do this. It's like, yeah, it's all right. Never mind. If there's like 100 miles of towel in there. <laughs> no. I like when I get the 3D glasses with bite marks on the end of them. Those, those, those <laughs> <Yeah>. are great. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Corey. 
Teresa, I gave you an email to read. Why don't you read that one yes, for us? Yes, you did. This comes from Tom Whitley, somewhere in the world. Hi, team. You all rock. If you rent DVC points from someone, is that all you get, or is there a way to add things like Disney Dining? Well, Tom, yes, you can add things to a DVC booking. Um, you would have to go through the person who booked it for you, and you can add Magical Express to that at no charge. Um, you'll have to supply the person who makes the booking for you with your air information so that Magical Express will know when you're getting there and when you're returning so they can get all that set for you. But you can also add dining to any DVC booking. Uh, it's at the standard rate of thirty nine ninety nine or whatever it is, thirty seven ninety nine this year, and it's going up next year and ten ninety nine for kids uh, per person per night. You do have to purchase that for each person in your party. Each person staying in your room has to have that, as well as for each night of your stay. So you can't do it. You can't break it up for only certain nights of your stay. But that can be added directly through Disney. The, again, the person who has made the reservation for you will call that in and have that added to your reservation, and that will be due at the time you check in. You'll pay for that when you check into the hotel and give them your DVC uh, confirmation number, and they'll set that up for you on your Key to the World card. So, yes, absolutely. Um, you can even add uh, trip insurance, too, if you wanted. The trip insurance could be added to the reservation um, again, but in this case, trip insurance has to be paid for in advance, so you'd have to work out a, a schedule or a situation with the person you're renting the points from for how you're going to apply that payment for the trip insurance. But, yep, a DVC booking is, is like many other bookings, and you can have all those cool things added to it. So don't be afraid to have it done. Great. Thanks, Teresa. And who else has an email they want to read? I have one from Jeremy. He's from Hammond slash Ponchatoula, Louisiana, and he has a funny story. I've eaten at Blue Bayou at Disneyland once, and that was enough. As one who loves food from my home state, I really could not believe that they were calling stuff like this Cajun, Louisiana food, but I digress. While I was eating dinner back in July, I was offered a mint julep, which my server said everyone drinks in Louisiana. I asked everyone, and he proceeded to tell me, oh, yes, they love those down there on the bayou. And they even have little kids that set up julep stands down there like lemonade stands. <laughs> <laughs> he then asked me where I was from. I proceeded to tell him I was from Louisiana. And as a kid, I made thousands of dollars with my mint julep stand and put all my brothers <laughs> through college. He said, really? I said, no, of course not. While I've heard of mint juleps, they are not the state drink of Louisiana like you all seem to be telling people. He had a good but nervous laugh and then seemed embarrassed. But at the end of the meal, we both had a good laugh about it. He even ended up bringing me a mint julep as a peace offering. And by the way, it was my first ever. I actually had another reason for writing. Since you and Julie just got back from California, I was wondering if you have, or any other members of the team could t recommend a restaurant at Disneyland or California Adventure for my wife and I to enjoy during our January visit to the West Coast. Um, as far as restaurants go, I would recommend Steakhouse 55. That, um, that's at the Disneyland Hotel. If you want some Cajun food, go to Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. I think they do a pretty good job there. You can even get a bead of amber. Um, House of Blues always offers good food. But as far as Japanese food, Yamabuki at Paradise Pier. If you if you like sushi, um, it's a limited sushi menu, but they have uh, that's at yeah. It's not just sushi though. Yeah, you can get chicken and stuff like that. Any uh, restaurants that y'all can recommend there besides Blue Bayou? I know he, he doesn't like that. We haven't been there in a while. No. I've eaten at Blue Bayou once, and I'm going to be honest, I don't really remember. It didn't, yeah. didn't stand out. And I, I think I had a Monte Cristo sandwich. I agree with the ones that you recommended. Yeah. And as far as the mint julep, um, I really don't know why they serve those there. A mint julep is a cocktail. And while I don't think a mint julep is the signature drink of Louisiana, cocktails are. Um, mint julep is more of a summer drink, kind of like eggnog is in the winter. It's made with bourbon whiskey mint, um, simple syrup, and crushed ice. It's the official drink of the Kentucky Derby. I was just yeah. going right. to say, it's not, yes. it's not something I equate with New Orleans yeah. or Louisiana. No, it's more of a sort of southern in general drink. Oh, and if you can, go to Club 33. That's the best food I've ever had at Disney. <laughs> you are rotten. Yeah, I've never had a mint julep. I don't plan on having a mint julep. But it's, it's a cocktail. So, you know, they're serving this in the Magic Kingdom. I guess they're serving it mint with simple syrup. It's... You're, you really didn't have a, a mint julep if really? that's what they served. I think the funny thing is that kids are setting up 
I didn't know children in Louisiana can get liquor licenses. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are progressive. Yeah, Yeah, the mint julep is, um, I guess, it's kind of like a mojito. I guess it's the forefather of the mojito. And that's, I've never had one, but it's more of a summer refreshing drink. Or like like they said, for the Kentucky Derby. They even sell special little mint julep cups. Well, you know, I was I was doing some research and I pulled out Kentucky Derby and they say they serve eighty thousand of these mint juleps in two days at the Kentucky Derby. They're all sloshed. <laughs> so because there's nothing to do when it's not that eight seconds of the horses going around in an oval. <laughs> there's nothing else to do but drink or wear a big hat. <laughs> I never I like underst- to do both. <laughs> do <you? laughs> big hats and drinking. I never understood that. And I know there are people who love that, and it's a big event for them. But it's like, it's all that buildup for that horse race. All right. It's kind of so, how I feel about NASCAR. Hey. <laughs> but, but, at least but, you can, but you can get tables out of that. You can get furniture out of a trip to NASCAR. <laughs> but, but the NASCAR races are, they're long. What's, what's an average race? Like 850 laps. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like four hours of your day gone. Yeah. Real, drive fast, turn left. I went to the very first race ever held at Walt Disney World. It was a pickup truck race. It was awesome. The, I went to the very first one. An inaugural race. That would be cool. Yeah. I did. And I had never been to one before. So we sat there and, you know, meow. Well, there were people that had on headphones, and they were they had on clipboards and binoculars, and I kept thinking, "What are they doing?" <laughs> See, that, I didn't understand it at all. You gotta, I guess, for me, it's it's very interesting because I follow um, the drama, the you know, the wrecks and the accidents, the sponsorships, who's going where, who's. I understand that. That's why you go. Yeah. Okay. That's okay then. Well. Going is a lot different than watching it on TV, too. I mean, uh, being down there, you know, when me and Cor were on pit road, that was awesome, and it wasn't even a real race, so. It's like a redneck soap opera. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) To the people who want to write to Julie, she also (laughs) thinks you all use little disposable cameras, too. That's I want to go, go back uh, for Just a let me preface by saying I am a redneck. I grew up in redneck country in Louisiana, so please don't write to There's me. There's not a single red light in her town. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know you're a redneck <laughs> when the directions to your house leave, <laughs> include the phrase, Wind once you leave the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to this truck race you went to. Where This is at the Speedway? Yep. I had a friend who was a cast member at the time, and they gave away tickets. And it was a pickup truck, a modified pickup truck. Because they have to give them away. Well, to me, they did. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to pay. And he said, do you want to go watch the first race ever? And I actually had a little pickup truck pin. I don't know where it is at the moment. That's what they gave everybody when they went in. It was the inaugural WDW race. And I went to it. I stayed a good 10 minutes. <laughs> and then, it was like weird, watching paint dry. It was just not my thing at all. There wasn't no drama. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you're not into it, if you're not into cars and you don't know the drivers, it's probably not going to be a lot of fun. I expected them to be passing one another. It didn't. They all just drove really fast and like behind each one another. Yeah. They didn't do anything. Sounds well, like in the, four. In, that's exactly. <laughs> I thought I can go do this myself. You need to go to Daytona then. Go watch a race at Daytona. You're you're so close. Yeah. You know, Will's never been to a college football game. I've never been to a NASCAR race. We gotta, we're going to swap yeah, out. We're going to swap this out. This has the makings of a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at tickets yesterday for the Daytona race. So I was too. <laughs> we should buy seats. I, maybe. maybe. Okay. <laughs> should we get it? So I'm going to go see David Cassidy and the NASCAR race. <laughs> should we get the Diz Unplugged box? Do they have one of those yeah. there? Like the, <laughs> the VIP the box? Race? You can't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> has anyone seen Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. All right, let's play it. I don't even know where we were with that. Did we answer the question? led to car racing. Let's play another voicemail. This one's uh, from Erica from Maine. She has a question about Halloween at Walt Disney World. Hey, team. This is Erica from Maine. Three Disney kids on the board. Love the show. And I am recording this using Will's after using Will's tutorial on audacity.com and how to record an MP3 file. So hopefully it's going well. It seems pretty easy. And Will, you did a great job of making that really user-friendly. 
Um, I have a question about Halloween. So this is pretty topical and timely. My family will be in Disney World over Halloween, actually on October 31st. And right now it is our plan to go to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party on Halloween night. However, I know that it will definitely be sold out that night and very crowded. Um, My youngest daughter does not do well with major, major crowds. Like, she can handle basic off-season crowds. That's not a problem. But the, oh, my God, put a bullet in my head type of crowd is where things get really uh, tough for her. So I have a couple of questions related to this. Um, First, when any of these special parties are sold out, how crowded is it really? I know that there's 25,000 tickets to be sold. um, And if they are all sold, I'm not quite sure what that translates into actually in the Magic Kingdom and how crowded that is. My second question is, if we choose not to do the party on Halloween night, what else is there to do on property on the 31st? Um, Thanks so much for everything. We love the show. Pete, can't wait for you to come back. The team's doing a great job without you, but it just isn't the same because we all know no one does a rant like Pete. Thanks, everyone. Well, you, you did maxed out those levels. Wow. <laughs> well, you did an excellent job teaching people how to record hey, stuff. Hey, 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 hey. Are well, you shaving while you're recording? Oh no, Eric. A little tip for you: turn your uh, mic input volume in down. It's it's up too high. We're just having a little fun with you, Erica. We thought it was funny that you used Will's tutorial and it kind of maxed out our equipment here. Buzz, the whole time. <laughs> Buzz the whole time. we're gonna call you Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> um, to answer your question. Chris, uh, Halloween is already sold out. Right. You can't book Halloween now for Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. So if you haven't done so already, don't even bother. Also, keep in mind that 25,000 people on one of these hard ticket events, not everything's open. So that means that they're all going to be on the things that are open. It's going to be put a bullet in your head crowded. Yeah. If your daughter's not good with it, this is not the night to go. Absolutely. It's going to be crazy. They have downtown. Downtown Disney has trick-or-treating all day and all night. So you can go from store to store and trick-or-treat. Kids will be in costumes there. We've seen that in, in past years. Resorts will be doing stuff as well, too. We'll probably be having little um, um, trick-or-treat opportunities for kids at your resort. But yeah, if, if she's really, really worried about crowds, don't go that night. Try to go a couple nights before Halloween. Um, it's all the same stuff. It doesn't matter. You're not going to miss out on anything, not being taking part of it. You could also go to any one of the monorail resorts closer to fireworks time and watch the hollow wishes from the Grand Floridian Beach, the Poly Beach, or from the fourth floor at the Contemporary. So you still would be able to take part in that and do your trick-or-treating earlier at Downtown Disney. Just hop on the little train, right? That's right. (laughs) A little train in the sky. (laughs) Very good. Thank you, Erica, and thanks for being a good sport for letting us... Make fun of your recording. I have an email I want to read. Uh, This is from Art Carter in Phoenix, Arizona. Art Art writes, We're going to Walt Disney World on the Disney Cruise next month. I've seen that if you book online, you can get a 50% off the deposit on a Disney Cruise. Do you know that if you rebook while on board the Disney Cruise Line, do you get the opportunity to only have to pay a 50% deposit and still get the 10% off and room credit as well? If so, I'll just wait to rebook on board. Also, one date we're looking to rebook would be five-night Disney Wonder Cruise for 2010. Do you think these will go fast? Or would I be okay waiting another 45 days while on board to book this? To answer your first question, Art, yes, you can do the 50% off the deposit when you do a rebooking while on Disney Cruise Line. Um, By booking your Disney Cruise Line uh, trip online, you also get a $25 shipboard credit in addition to uh, anything else that's going on. So that's another perk for booking online. As far as waiting until your cruise, these five-night cruises next summer look, look like they're going to be pretty popular. Uh, my advice to you would be book on online and secure what you want first, and then once you get on the ship, see if it makes any sense to move it to an onboard booking. Um, the price may go up so much that the 10% off doesn't matter, and you may do better booking it as early as possible. And like I said, you'll have the 50% deposit and the $25 shipboard credit. You can't combine the $25 online shipboard credit with the 10% off for rebooking. So keep that in mind. You can't stack Disney discounts. 
But again, rebooking on board is that same 50% off deposit. Um, we don't know when that's going to end. Um, Disney hasn't set an end date for that particular promotion. So you might want to take advantage of that while you still can. There's no guarantee that 45 days from now that 50% off deposit will still be in effect. So. Something else to, I just want to take this a step further. Something else to keep in mind. Disney Visa runs a promotion that if you pay for your cruise with a Disney Visa, you can get a shipboard credit. I believe at this point in time, it's $50. That's also not combinable with rebooking on board. You would not get the Disney Visa promotion and the onboard rebooking promotion. That would be stacking of Disney discounts. And to make it even more confusing, <laughs> you can get the Disney Visa shipboard credit for paying with the, the, the reservation and fill with the Disney Visa and the $25 shipboard credit for booking online. And all of those promotions and shipboard credits and discounts can be combined with any discount from a travel agency that's not necessarily a discount off the price. For example, as you all know, uh, we are all affiliated with Dreams Unlimited Travel um, in one capacity or another, and Dreams Unlimited Travel is running a shipboard credit at this time. Our shipboard credit can be combined with any discount or any promotion being offered by Disney. Um, it's just that Disney doesn't allow a stacking of their own promotions so I know it gets complicated. I know it gets a little weird. What can and can't you do? Art, specifically for you, my advice, book the 2010 Five Night Wonder Cruise when you can. Hold it. Book it online so you get to take advantage of the discount on the deposit as well as the shipboard credit. Then wait till you get on the ship and see if it's a better deal and if you can just move money around and, and take care of that at that time. Is this the only time you'd recommend booking two staterooms? Well, he's not really booking two staterooms. He's going to book one now, and then when he gets on the ship, he's going to make a decision whether or not he wants to cancel the one he's already booked or move the money to a new one or something like that. This is not a combining. Of, like we say to people, don't book. Use multiple avenues to book your cruises because you're just driving the price up. Right. This is a matter of him just holding one stateroom until he decides, which is the most economical way for him to, okay. to book it. Can an agent do all this for you? So you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah, you can absolutely. You can find a travel agent who will book, make the online booking for you. However, once you get on the ship, your agent can't take care of that onboard booking. You have to do that yourself. But again, it all falls under the idea of you can do the online booking or have a travel agent do the online booking for you. Once you get on the ship, you can make the decision of how you want to handle it once on the ship. The big thing is we don't know. I don't think these five-night cruises are going to, we're going to see that increase in price the way we're going to see them on these special summer 2010 cruises to uh, Europe and the Mediterranean. I also don't think think we're going to see what we saw with the last repositioning cruises where they sold out on the first day. It's my prediction is that these well the price will go up during the day and these cruises will s start booking very quickly. I don't think we're going to see any of them sell out on day one. I agree. These European and Mediterranean cruises that they're doing in 2010 um, sort of mimic what they did a couple of years ago when they went to the Mediterranean. And those cruises were not as popular as the West Coast cruises for various reasons, for the, the price of airfare added to it, the, the time needed to take off kids out of school or, or take a time on vacation. You know, all that plays into the fact of making a European vacation a little bit more expensive for folks. But we're not going to see – I don't think we're going to see, like you said, those Panama Canal crossing cruises. They sold out, and people were upset because the cruise actually closed on the day they opened. I don't think that we're going to see that for any cruise out of this batch. I had a question that came in. It's not related to uh, to your email, but to Disney Cruise Line. Somebody, um, they want to book the 2010 cruise, and they said their daughter is going to want to bring a friend, but they just don't know what, what who that friend's going to be at the time. Is it difficult to change names? Um, yes and no. In a case like this, you want to make sure you book a room that will accommodate the number of people you want. So if you're going to bring, you know you're going to have four people or you know you're going to have five people, make sure you have a room that accommodates those people. And not just, uh, a cat, say, a Category 6 can sleep four. You have to ask the cast member to make sure you have a Category 6 stateroom that does sleep four people. You can list the, that person as TBA to be announced. Okay. Um, now, you will have to pay the deposit on that to be announced person. It's easier to take a person off a reservation than it is to add one later. 
The other thing, I apologize for jumping in here. If you book a stateroom that accommodates four people and you've only booked three in the stateroom, depending on how the rest of the rooms in your vicinity book, you might be told somewhere down the line that you can't add a fourth person. This has, on, do, right, this has to do with the, the capacity of the lifeboats and things like that. And to go one step further, what Kevin said, this is the situation of being able to remove someone is different if you book a suite. Category one, two, and three staterooms, the deposit is non-refundable no matter what the situation is. Even if you have trip insurance, you're not going to get that deposit back. So if you add the extra person for a Category 3 stateroom and that person can't go, be prepared to lose that deposit. You can't even apply it to the rest of the stateroom for the for the bill. And then one more thing about this is, Corey asked, how hard is it to change a name? It, you can't change the lead person on any Disney Cruise Line reservation. That constitutes canceling the reservation and rebooking. So people think, well, I'll just book a reservation for my brother-in-law who, who thinks he wants to go under my name and give him my reservation. You can't do that. You actually have to cancel the reservation and rebook, and that means rebooking at the current tier pricing with Disney Cruise Line. Disney Cruise Line has some rules that, you know, really make your head spin. So it's kind of like, you know, they, they've, they've over the years, they've sort of, what I would say, closed the loopholes of, um, you know, people were able to hold a suite with just one de- person's deposit or change that reservation to the, to the second person in the room. They've closed a lot of those loopholes, quote unquote. So the rules have gotten strict. Cool. All right, let's play another voicemail. This one is from Jennifer, and she has a question of where to go now that Pleasure Island has closed. Hi, podcasters. This is Jennifer, a.k.a. Wellesley Princess on the board. And I have a question about what to do now that Pleasure Island is closed. My friends and I are planning on heading to the world for spring break, and as a bunch of 20-something college students, we'd really like to have the option of going out somewhere at night. One of our friends will be meeting us from the nearby area, so we will have access to the car. But I was just wondering if there was anything good to do in the parks after after hours or if it would be better to head into Orlando. And if so, if you had any, any ideas of where to go. Thanks, and I love the show. I, I would, um, since you all have a car, that's going to make it a lot easier. You know, City Walk's always an option. Things are going to be a little bit more expensive there as far as drinks go. Um, if you have a car, I mean, I, I'd, I'd probably head out to downtown Orlando, head out to Church Street. There, there's a ton of places over there. And you'll probably get a lot, of, lot better discounts on um, admission, drink specials. There's this one place called Chillers. Um, it's three levels. Chillers is a daiquiri shop on the the first floor. Then the second floor is it's called Big Belly. It's a different bar. And then there's Latitudes. It's a brewery. It's a brewery. And then well, it used to be. Well, I mean, that's still they still call it that. And then they um, at Latitudes is on the third floor. It sits on the rooftop of a, of a building in downtown Orlando. And there's just tons of places to go down there. So if you're looking for a full night of partying, I would go there. Please was, have a designated driver. Mm-hmm. There's cool. House of Blues. I agree. When was the last time you were at Church Street? Less than a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that's closed. Paris Hilton's Club is no more. And that things. was nothing anyway. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how much. That was, was a waste of space there. and name. There's a lot of different places for um, everybody down there. If you're looking for like the club or the bar, or they have martini bars, they have wine bars. Well, there's they Wall, have, St- Wall Street. Is that what's called? Yeah, Wall Street. It's just a, a street full of um, different bars. There's something for everybody over there. Uh, Chillers is really nice though. It's it's like three in one and go up, yeah. and there's it's open. It's kind of like you're on a rooftop kind of. Please keep in mind that. When we're talking about doing this, you would be leaving Disney property and going into an urban environment. Downtown. And you would need to take different precautions than you would at Disney property. Yeah, it's it's definitely a college crowd. You know, people from UCF come there, um, Rollins College. Um, It's it's fun. City Walk's great, though, too. I mean, it's... There's not as much, I would say, as many... There's not as many clubs and bars, but... You get different stuff. You know, yeah. there's a cigar City walk, shop. City walks a lot closer than downtown. Yeah. Uh, downtown Orlando she might take you anywhere jelly rolls from boardwalk. 20 to 30 minutes to drive yeah, that's, there. That's I good. mean, that's a place they wouldn't have to drive to, and they could all drink. There wouldn't be anybody left out. There's it's a, a couple place, places yeah. down there, too, on the boardwalk she can go to. Well, Atlantic Dance Company is kind of rank. I was thinking the brewery is that. 
Well, I mean, it's not really a, I mean. It's a restaurant. Isn't it? Just a place they have a bar, drink. but, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a club. Yeah. So those are some options. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Who else has a voice uh, email they want to read? I do that all the time. I have one more. Great. Can't wait. Edge <laughs> <laughs> of my seat. I'm building the anticipation. <laughs> Here we are. Mine is from Jessica Dirksen. And Jessica doesn't tell us where she is. Jessica says, hi, podcast crew. Oh, she does. Wait. This is Jessica from Pueblo, Colorado. Just on the boards. I was listening to your discussion concerning the love bugs. Is it safe to assume that September is love bug season? We are planning to go back to the world in 2010 in September so we can go to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party and the Food and Wine Festival. You said that the bugs are all over and ruining paint jobs on cars, but how bad do they get if you're walking in the parks? Do they land on you? I'm absolutely terrified of bugs. I come close to hysterical if a bug lands on me. Let's just say that if I was in the Indiana Jones movie with all the bugs and my kids' lives depended on me saving them, I would probably have to get pregnant to get more kids to replace the dead ones that I didn't save. If they really are bad, I'm going to have to rethink rescheduling our trip. I don't think that the family would appreciate being escorted out of the parks because mom keeps screaming and running around crying because a bug landed on her. Thanks, guys. Love all the work you do. Okay, Jessica, calm down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, the reason they ruin your paint is because they do tend to swarm. And if you get them on the front of your car, they and leave them there, their little enzymes can eat into your paint. As far as them landing on you, yes, they do land on you. However, these are harmless, non-biting little bugs, and they're not going to eat the paint off you. <laughs> uh, they're called love bugs because at the time we get them, they are mating, and two love bugs are hooked together. So they have two sides. There are two heads to them. They tend to be attracted to light-colored or white clothing. And yes, there is sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. September and May are traditionally love bug season. They were a little late this year, towards the end of September. And they are worse in some areas than others, and there's really no way to predict that. I know that if you go through areas where there's marshy areas, they tend to be worse uh, as you're traveling over some of Florida's highways and byways if you're going through wetlands you'll find that there's more love bugs but yeah they do have definitely come to disney world and yes they do definitely land on you they are harmless they're completely not going to bother you other than landing on you but if you are going to run around screaming and slapping your kids and stuff like that could you let us know because we'll come video it <laughs> exactly if there's any bug that you want landing on you it's a love bug really? sometimes you harmless. don't even know they're there that's right. not something to reschedule or, they're little or, black bugs and with little red dots on them. I bet A Bug's Life is her favorite movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't go see that either. Uh, I don't want to talk you out of rescheduling this, uh, your trip, but if it's really freaking you out, you might have to rethink it. However, keep in mind that they can go into an October or into August. They can be around any time, basically. Florida's kind of buggy. And it'll be like bad in one area because it's maybe a white wall or something and 10 feet away there's nothing so i don't know it's kind of i want to see what happens when she sees a palmetto bug <laughs> carrying I've off one of her known children anybody with a bug phobia <laughs> we have roaches the size of microphones here. <laughs> we really do. We do. i mean it's not like i'm deathly afraid of them but sometimes you see that thing crawl across the floor and it's like oh my god it's got the refrigerator on its back <laughs> i was out walking the dog the other night and one landed on me a palmetto bug and again i understand completely jessica i am i know they're not going to hurt me however it skeeved me out and i went flailing across our neighborhood and i kept thinking please nobody's watching out the windows please because they can't see the bug <laughs> <laughs> see john it's like when you swat what's the wrong with that man <laughs> exactly so yeah there you go good advice i believe all right i have one mine is from Kristen from northport florida she writes hi podcast crew we have just booked a cruise on the disney magic through Dreams Unlimited Travel. Yay. For September 2009. My question is, with the price of oil dropping quite a bit, what is the chance that Disney and other cruise lines as well will cancel their fuel surcharge? It would save us a couple of hundred dollars. 
Um, Kristen, Carnival Cruise Line has just announced that they're going to drop their fuel surcharge. Um, there's no word from any of the other cruise lines, and definitely not Disney, that they plan to do it, but it's always a possibility. One of the things you'll notice is that Disney Cruise Line, for their 2010 sailings, have listed the surcharge outside of the port charges and taxes and outside of the cruise fare. This tells me that they're prepared that if prices do go down enough that they might pull that out. Um, It will make it easier for the calculation for them to remove that and or make it more if they feel that they have to increase the price. But, you know, again, Carnival just did it. It's a possibility that others will do it. Oil is dropping dramatically, so maybe that'll help. Something else to keep in mind, though, is that they're they're buying their fuel in advance, so most likely they're paying a higher price for future sailings. It might not be for a while until we see those fuel surcharges come down when they start sailing on the lower-priced fuel, if that makes any sense. So keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll see the fuel charges come down, and that'll help everybody save a little cash. Let's play another voicemail. This one's from Cynthia from Idaho. Hello, this is Cynthia from Boise, Idaho. Um, Tink fan on the boards. Email capital J-O-R-G-E-N-S-E-N 2270 at cable1.net. And I wanted to say that I'm here in Disney World this week and took the Keys to the Kingdom tour on Monday and had a very delightful tour guide by the name of Anna Martin. And Corey and Julie, she is delightful, beautiful, and she'll have to tell you how we figured out that I'm a a big fan of the Diz. So anyway, um, had a great time with her. And it was just a nice surprise to find out she was related to you all. So, and... uh, Went to the wave. Kevin, absolutely um, correct on the review. Got two of those corn muffins, delish. Um, service wasn't up to part of the food, but loved the food. Um, Mickey's Not So Scary party, great. And now I'm at um, the Epcot Food and Wine Festival waiting for them to start serving the food. So having a great time, and thanks for all the advice. I'm using all of it, and uh, really appreciate all that you do. Take care now. Bye. Thank you, Cynthia. She found a seat in the music box. Apparently, <laughs> I thought she was on the merry-go-round. She was in Epcot, she said. Yeah. So. so now when your sister meets people from the podcast, does she, does she tell you about it right away, or is it just... Oh, yeah, she calls me right away. Does she? Yes. There uh, are freaks on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, Cynthia, I think this uh, the podcast came, you know, came out where they were in Columbia Harbor House, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how she heard... How there's a great hidden spot on the second floor of Columbia Harbor House on this podcast. And my sister goes, podcast. She goes, oh, I am just a Diz fanatic. I am just fanatical about the Diz Unplugged. (laughs) And my sister, you know, she kind of introduced who she was. And it was. No, she actually said Corey and Julie are my brother and sister-in-law. Yeah. And so, and she put one and one one together. Oh, okay. You went to LSU. Yeah, she knew a lot of facts about me. Yeah, she did. (laughs) So it was funny. It's cool. She's she's running into more and more people on her tour. That I think her. like I uh, yeah. this past week she had uh, on two different tours people yeah. from well Diz people. When she does a tour, she doesn't give her last name, right? It just says Anna on her name. Right, tag. but yeah. she doesn't say I'm so and so. No, most Disney cast members are on first name basis right. only. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's cool. That is funny. We walked through Epcot the other day, and I thought, we're going to get recognized, and no one did. I felt the same way on Saturday when I was leaving because I was ready to go. I, my, I was hurting from standing up and walking for four hours, and I'm like, oh, gosh, please don't let me see anybody because I don't feel like talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had Disney, pin, or Disney uh, podcast pins to give away, so if you see us. But I wasn't with Corey. I was by myself and with other people that wouldn't be recognizable, so. Maybe I was incognito. I think it's cute. You guys posted pictures from the Food and Wine Festival, and people recognized the baby bump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a picture of you <laughs> in one of the booths. There was like a rate the bump thread or something. They like asked if rate we were practicing bump. by bringing Will to the parks. <laughs> we <were practicing>. hey. <laughs> you should get him one of those nice. monkey leashes. That's what I said. I said, <laughs> I said dang it, I could not get him to wear the little monkey backpack so I could keep up with him. <laughs> 
That's just wrong, guys. I'm a grown man. (laughs) Kept wanting to see the Cars characters. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong part. Tomater. (laughs) Poor Will. It's funny. He even has his Ford hat on today. He does. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) What's that stand for? Found on Road Dead? Fix or repair daily? It's fix or repair daily. We don't (laughs) don't speak that around here. I also see some that say I'd rather push a Ford than drive a Chevy. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch. There's, of yeah, them. I'm a Ford man. I don't, you know. Yeah. Okay, I haven't driven one yet, but this new Ford Flex intrigues me. Eh. I didn't say I was going to buy you one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's play our next voicemail. This one's from Lisa in Ohio. Lisa has a review about of her lunch with an Imagineer. So let's see what she has to say about that. Hey, podcast crew. This is Lisa in Ohio probably better known as Walt D. for me on the boards. And I just wanted to say a big thank you for the Halloween party review. I'm doing my first Halloween party pretty soon, and the review was great. The reason for my voicemail that I've tried to do about ten times now is I want to give everyone a review of the Lunch with an Imagineer experience at the Brown Derby. This experience gets very little press, and I have no idea why that is. I've only heard it briefly mentioned one time on the podcast, And even online, you don't hear too much about it. One site a couple months ago even said the experience had been discontinued, but thank goodness that's not true, and it is still available. I love behind-the-scenes type stuff, and I was really excited when I heard about this experience. To me, dining with Imagineer, that's right up there with dining with a celebrity or even a member of the podcast crew. The lunch is held at the Brown Derby, which is a bonus right off the bat, at 11.30 a.m. on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. There's a limit of just eight people for the lunch, and it's held in a private dining area of the Brown Derby called the Bamboo Room. It's $61 before tax and tip, and it does require a credit card hold. I thought it was worth every penny. In fact, I have another one booked for my upcoming trip in October. On the day of my lunch, I got to the Brown Derby at 11.15 and checked in at the podium. I was given one of those plastic engraved name tags with my name on it, and it also said Dine with an Imagineer. At 11.30, the manager of the Brown Derby came out and led us through the restaurant to our table. He gave us each a personalized menu with our name, the date, the name and title of our Imagineer, and our menu choices, which is a nice souvenir, I thought. For lunch as a starter, we were served cold lobster bisque soup, followed by an individual cob salad, and for an entree, it is a limited menu, we were given three choices, pan-seared grouper, a thigh chicken noodle bowl, or a New York strip steak. For dessert, we had vanilla bean cream brulee. I don't want to step on Kevin's toes, so all I'm going to say is that all the food was delicious and the service was excellent. They don't tell you ahead of time who your Imagineer will be, but I was lucky enough to get Steve Probst. He is the principal set director for Disney Imagineering, which very basically means he shops for Disney. His apartment goes all over the world buying everything from the lamps in the hotel rooms to the salt and pepper shakers in the restaurants. So you have him to thank for the cool ones at the Wave, Kevin. They do all the attractions in the parks, from everything in the ride queue at Expedition Everest to the things in the lobby at the Tower of Terror. At the time of the lunch, Steve had just gotten done with the rehab of the Mexican Pavilion, and he was working on the rehab at the Haunted Mansion. He was very excited about it. And even though he couldn't tell us a lot, he promised that he thought we'd be very pleased with what they were doing. He also told us about his background, how he came to Disney, and he answered questions. I even managed to bring up the Diz boards, and you could tell he knew about the boards. He even talked about how much he appreciates Disney fans like us because he knows we're the ones who especially notice and appreciate the attention to detail and the little things they put into a project. At the end of the lunch, which goes about two hours, you are given a souvenir plate with a Sorcerer Mickey on it, and it says Dining with an Imagineer. Unfortunately, they were out of the plates for my lunch, but the manager promised to send them as soon as they came in, And sure enough, about two weeks after I got home, it arrived. And then to my surprise, a few days after receiving the plate, I got a package directly from Steve Probst. I was blown away by this. He included a small piece of art from the Mexican Pavilion, and best of all, a letter written to me personally that I could tell he wrote himself. I couldn't believe he took the time to do that, and the letter is something I will always treasure. Now, I don't know if every Imagineer that does the experience does this, but I really hope so because it meant a lot to me. All in all, I would highly recommend this experience. 
even if, especially if you are looking for something a little special or different. I did ask when I called, and they do say there is an age limit of 14, and I'd have to agree. This is an experience for younger kids. I would almost even say 16 would be a better age for it. And if you can't do the lunch, there's also a dinner, dine with an Imagineer. I haven't done that, but just to let everybody know, it's held every other Thursday night at Artist Point at the Wilderness Lodge from 5.30 to 8.30, and it's 109 a person. It's also a larger group. I think the limit for dinner is 25 people. So that's it. There's my review. Oh, I did it. Thank goodness. <laughs> Lisa, thank you very much for the review. I think that's really cool. We talk about Lunch with an Imagineer. It's something we haven't done yet. I'd like to to get over there and try it. It sounds really cool. Um, I'm trying to do a little math in my head. We should do lunch with a podcaster and charge 65 bucks a head. <laughs> <laughs> See how much money we can make. Get some styrofoam plates. <laughs> Lisa is a very, very good friend of the podcast. She's been very, very supportive. And when we had our kitchen redone, she sent us a small token gift to um, congratulate us on having our kitchen remodeled. That's very nice. Well, as with everyone else, when we play your uh, review that you've recorded for us, we're going to let Lisa pick a number. So Julie will be in contact with you, and you'll get that set, and hopefully next week we'll let you have you pick a number off the prize, Matron. We really appreciate you giving us that feedback. Um, it sounds really cool. Again, I would be afraid, who am I going to get? I just realized I would love his job. I would love to shop for Disney. I know, really. I like to shop with other people's money. <laughs> yeah. I just wonder, what it, it, do you eat? Do you talk? Like, how... You know, because you want to ask them questions. And well, with eight people, that's kind of a nice size. That's a nice dinner table. Yeah. Well, I think that surprised me was cold lobster bisque. Yeah, that didn't sound good. But you get your own little individual <laughs> Disney <laughs> and a plate, yeah. and a plate, and a plate, and a letter. That's cool that he wrote an individual letter. That's real cool. Yeah. You know, it wasn't one of those stamped type letters. Yeah. It took time. Fill in the name. Sounds Just, sounds like a great experience. Yeah. I'm also wondering what the limit is, how many people, probably lunch, it's... I think we should make this a prize on the prize Matron, do you? Mm -hmm. I think it would be a good prize, too. I think so, too. We'll mention that to Pete when he gets back. We'll have him add that to the prize Matron. Cool. Excellent. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, We really, really appreciate that. All right, we're going to play our last voicemail. This is from Minnesota Chill, and she's actually calling us from the Party for the Senses. Hi, podcast team. I am right now at the Food and Wine Festival. This is Minnesota Chill from the Discord, and it is uh, Thursday, I guess. Nice when you're on vacation. You don't need to know what day it is. And I have to tell Julie that I just had the roasted beet salad at San Francisco, and it was fantastic. And with my um, brother and sister-in-law, who thought they hated beets, and they tasted it, and they thought it was really good, too. The goat cheese was really mild, and I know that John and Kevin don't like goat cheese, but it was really good. There were golden beets and some other beets and some sort of wilted greens, but that might be because it's a gazillion degrees out here today. Um, But it was really, really good, and the walnuts were perfectly done. It was sort of like a little party in our mouths. So I just wanted to give you an update on that, and it was really inexpensive, too. I think it was two seventy-five, and the four of us each got a good taste of it. So, I mean, it wasn't a meal, but we got a good taste. And Kevin and John will be looking for you Saturday night at the Party for the Census. Um, I'm looking for two big, tall guys. I am a small person, so um, hopefully we'll get to say hi to you. I promise I won't stalk you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast team. This is Minnesota Chill with a follow-up to the Food and Wine Festival. I called live from the festival and um, told you about the beet salad at San Francisco that I thought was phenomenal. Um, and we did go to Party for the Senses, and I looked all night for Kevin and John and didn't find them anywhere. Um, my husband was desperately looking with me, thought he had found them, and went up to one of the people and found out that um, it was a man and a woman. It wasn't actually two men, so that was a little bit embarrassing. Um, I don't for know you. what I was thinking Jeez. that we would find you there. I even had a nut goodie and a salted nut roll in my pocket for you, but... I'm sorry to say we didn't see you. One of the things I wanted to point out, though, and I did post this on the boards, was even though we were there and we were a little disappointed in the brochure this year and the fact that it didn't list everything um, by color section, was that the couple we were with 
had no idea that anything was different because it was their first time there. And I got really disappointed, and I was kind of acting like a baby about the whole thing. And my husband took me aside and said, you know, if you would just be quiet about the whole thing, they would never know the difference, and they would have a perfectly good time not knowing that part of the brochure was different. And so with that change in attitude and a couple of extra tastes of wine, we had an excellent evening. They thought it was the best part of their whole trip, and they thought the food was still really, really good. We enjoyed the entertainment, um, and the wine was great, uh, and we had a really good time. And I just it was all in my mentality, and I wanted to point out to people who are going who have never been there before, you're going to have fun. And for those of you who are going and taking other people and you've tacked it up and you're worried that they might be disappointed, they're not going to know the difference. Um, the people we were with had an amazing time. They thought it was one of the best things that they'd done, and they couldn't believe how good the food was and the entertainment and everything. So um, I think sometimes we tend to go at the glasses half empty, and I'm definitely one of those people. But um, when you change your perspective and you have a couple extra little sips of wine, your whole perspective will change. So even though there were changes, we had a great time. Um, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to find you. It's really hard to do when you have no idea who you're looking for, but I hope you had fun as well. Thanks. Bye-bye. Kevin, she thought you were a woman. <laughs> How embarrassing for you. You're sure it was me? I'm sure she thought you were. I would like to correct something. I don't dislike goat cheese. You hate it. I don't like huge clumps of it. It's got to be a little small piece. The roasted beet salad sounds delicious to me. I love goat cheese. And I love beets, so... Uh, I'm actually surprised when people say they, they can't see us or didn't recognize us. I mean, first of all, we had a table like right on the aisle. Right. And we are a wall of people. Of humanity, <laughs> pretty much. We are. We are a wall. <laughs> we were a sullen, <laughs> aggravated wall. And I understand humanity. what she's saying, that you know, no one took me aside. They knew better. Um, I was wearing long pants and shoes. I was miserable. Had I had on shorts and sneakers, I still would have been miserable. I didn't have a place to sit, but and I thought it was expensive. But I'm sorry, we had stuff in our pockets for you too. We had podcast bins. Did she have nuts in her pocket? Was she? Was a nut kitty. Oh. Those things that she. I think she's the one who sent us all oh, those um, yeah. from Minnesota. I they remember were good. those. Okay. Okay, I do remember those. I wish we would have found her now. <laughs> do you still have them? Are you still here? Are they still in your pocket? Well, that was very cool. I'm really glad that you called us from Food and Wine and told us. Do you realize that there was another couple there who saw us but wouldn't say hello to us? Yeah. So now we were. I want to know who your doppelgangers are. (laughs) Man and woman. Apparently. (laughs) Some very. That's a a big girl. (laughs) A big girl, and she ain't pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Not if they were that. We were. Not if she thought that she was us. And especially if you recognize her from the voice. <laughs> the goatee. That's them. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged email edition for October 16th. Just a reminder, if you want to send us an email uh, for consideration to be read on the show, send it to podcast at wdwinfo.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail. Toll free one eight seven seven. 310-9662. And again, thank you for listening to the Diz Unplugged email edition for October 16th, and we will see you all next week. See you.